Hey everybody, welcome to the Hireth and Other Words podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Timothy Mangle, and this week with me is Jay Hur, good friend of mine. Present. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> uh, I've known Jay for four years? No, longer than that probably. I think... It was probably about four years. I think... No, I think it was early 2017. Because I'm, we, I moved to Oregon in the summer of 2017. Right. Yep. Yep, you're right. So, well, actually, you know what? You know what the perfect gauge is for measuring? Is Jay's wife, Blythe, was probably like eight, six months pregnant? Uh, yeah, six or seven months, right around there. Because it, it was right around February, right? I've... I, th- I can't remember. It was like January or... No, it was January or February because we were just about to move, move. out of that house. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it was early 2000 and... So a little over three years. Jay is one of the owners of Press Coffee and Books where I am currently employed uh, and have been... I mean, I don't I don't have to quantify that <laughs> aspect of it, but yeah. Uh, no, and yeah, so Jay has been my boss, but more than that, he's been a really good friend and someone that, I mean... Yeah, that I've spent a lot of time with, and it's been good to just have a lot of conversations. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting one on tape. We're using tape, like tape, <laughs> like things that you tape things with. I, oh, good. We're doing it. <laughs> we really are. Uh, so, gosh, I'm trying to think of like a good kicking off point. Something. That, I mean, you probably saw it like in the title, but. The topic that Jay and I want to talk about is the idea of spiritual deconstruction, of kind of being handed a tradition and then, uh, or growing up in a certain ideology or belief system, and then what does it mean to question that, to wrestle with it, to walk away from it, whatever that that what would look like. What I mean, if you want to introduce yourself any bit more, or you want to just uh even where what was your like spiritual upbringing like and kind of right. talk about your background with that yeah um so i grew up in a uh very um i always want to say typical but nothing's truly typical yeah um I, yeah i feel like it was just a standard evangelical christian uh republican home um middle class um i grew up in a fairly large family i'm second youngest out of six uh it's pretty big for like this time in history right right yeah um yeah growing up we were always pretty much one of the biggest families that i knew Mm. of like all my friends um and we were also homeschooled so there was also just that part of like everything was just intertwined it wasn't like i was going to church but also going to public school where i had a circle of friends who were influencing me in a completely different way it was a very um homogenous upbringing mm-hmm. I would just say. one yeah because i <clears throat> i know i can see that from a lot of people that i met when i because i didn't have that upbringing i was raised kind of in a secular setting minus the fact right. that my mom's a psychic but yeah. you know it's <laughs> as secular as that can be um <laughs> Uh, but it wasn't a it wasn't a traditional religious family, right? And um, 
and then when I went to church, I started noticing that there were a lot of homeschooled people who that was just like it was literally like you're saying it was homogenous like it was all just one thing yeah. you know like all of your fellow because everyone was homeschooled so like everyone that did like would have i don't know i mean it's just i don't understand it because I, I didn't have that world of like yeah meet it's, up with your friends and do virtual homework together or whatever it's a very unique sort of thing now that i've like am fairly distanced from that whole realm because like the church that i went to um i'd say probably about half of the people around my age were also homeschooled um so even in like my youth group or whatever like it was still very much that same sort of thing yeah what what was i'd say about three-fourths if not more of my youth group was homeschooled how how many people? I'd say on average we'd have between like fifteen and twenty kids. We probably we were, yeah, we were probably around the same, maybe a little more, twenty five to thirty, um, depending on you know it waxed and waned, but uh, sure, um, but yeah, when the spirit was flowing, there was more obviously, oh, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so would when did you realize that you were like on a spiritual path or like felt like you had like that this was something that like you wanted to actually take serious or participate in i would say it was always something like church and um like spiritual life was um was something that i took fairly seriously um, growing up, I was never the wild child. Um, I don't think I ever even went was through like any a, sort of rebellious streak or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Was it a part of like the hermod, like the, like the the how do you, I don't know how to properly use that word, but the the oneness of it all that like it was this spiritual part of your life was just as it was a part of everything else because I didn't have that experience of I, I found religion on my own yeah you know so it wasn't like something that was handed to me but so it was like right there was a clear point in my life where i was like okay now like now i do this you know i feel like it was more like and this is one of the reasons i love the word deconstruction for me um in particular because like just like every part of my life was like building blocks of that whole thing um yeah um because, I mean, you even went to uh, a, a Christian college, but I, right. you didn't do, your topic wasn't necessarily, what was your major? Well, everyone at the college um, probably had to attend. Either they majored in Bible or they majored in Bible and something else. So I was double majoring in, in Bible, biblical studies, uh, and uh, music performance. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Jay is a phenomenal musician, so... Whenever you, you can't just make a, you know, a classically trained musician play for you. You know, I can just walk around with an acoustic and do whatever, but yours is a whole, like, we got to be wearing a suit to right, really right, appreciate right. you. I should have worn my tux today. I'm so sorry. And just started singing opera. Um, yeah. Jay's one of those people that whenever I sing songs around, I'm just like, this is, I'm sorry that you have to, that you have to sit through whatever this thing is that I'm doing. Um, so where where would your 
I mean, do you want to just kind of just dive in? Like, what did spiritual deconstruction, what, what did it look like going into it? What kind of, what was the tipping point? And then, right. um, yeah, and then we can get, just kind of just go with that. Sure. Um, I would say, so starting at around, probably around 14 years old was when, um, like, my faith was always serious to me, but it was probably not until then that, like, I felt like it was getting really personal for me. Like, I... Um, like had like a personal, I don't know, kind of like emotional connection uh, to you were invested in things. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also very much a uh, go with the flow personality type uh, to a certain extent. Um, so going into college and probably um, toward the end of college wasn't. It wasn't until the end of college that I really started to like question a lot of things. Um, and there was always a little bit here and there, but you know, to a certain extent, it was just like me accepting what was laid in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, at, um, at a Bible college, you have um, the whole array of the Christian faith of people who are really genuine mm-hmm. and really caring people and people who are just consumed with the dogmatic theological side and right. it's all only like a head experience for them. Did you see a wide variety of, um, what's that proper word? Um, uh, the, the, the breakups in the church. And right. Right. Like the denominations. That That's it, denominations. Right. Did you see it like a lot of that or was it mostly just like evangelical Pentecostal? It was at least for the first couple of years. Um, uh, it was very homogenous. Um, that's the second time I've used that word. Now I can't use that anymore. That's fine. Um, Maybe we'll just change the, I mean, it's all <laughs> one, right? So we, uh, yeah, we can just skip to that. Uh, yeah. The first couple of years, um, very much for the most part, people who were kind of in the same boat that I was. Um, more or less, um, which was like Protestant evangelical uh, sort of vein. Probably, I mean, because Catholics probably went to like more Catholic universities. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I I don't think I'd even really ever knew a Catholic. Met I mean, a I don't Catholic. think I know. I don't think I know like any genuine. I know actually that's not true. I know one genuine Catholic, and I love him because he's like a good Catholic. Uh-huh. He's Irish, and so that probably uh, brings out something in him. I was talking to uh, Sammy today, a friend of ours, and um, I was talking to her about my experience with Bible college was, it was very much presented as we're open to all denominations of the Christian faith, Mm -hmm. but the true Christian message is really Pentecostal and evangelical. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was accepted without question by the leadership down. Yeah. Um, so I often wonder, and I even wonder this over there was what would this look like if a genuine Catholic came here, you know, or an Eastern Orthodox person? I didn't right. know much about those religions or, uh, not, I mean, denominations, but it was still this, like, we don't, you know, we don't practice liturgy. Yeah. We don't really participate in with communion very much. Yeah. Um, we did have a little bit of that side. There were a decent amount of like uh, Presbyterians and a lot of like church history buffs who like, because church history is the Catholic church and the Orthodox church. Right. Um, 
And so there was a decent amount of that. And I got some experience with liturgy and stuff like that. See, um, I got like none of that. Yeah. I got no, no church, almost no church history. Well, we didn't have the Pentecostal side, which was kind of what I was getting to was oh. like after, um, I think it was, I think it was during my third year in college when the college actually kind of like absorbed another college okay. um, from down in DC. And uh, this, um, college was um very pentecostal and predominantly african-american and uh a lot of those students ended up coming to our campus which was a very interesting experience to see um Mm -hmm. just how that all happened because um from us with our very like conservative conservative steeped in our ways like um there was not much diversity there was a little bit but not much at all um, just seeing how that all happened and um, because the I would say the vein of Christianity that I was in was always very um, turned off to Pentecostalism um, oh and, really yeah yeah okay for sure. so define that for me um, for just like uh, there was like speaking in tongues or anything like that sure the belief that um, there's like a cessation of some of the spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. and i think the theology gets very murky but basically that the more intense spiritual gifts like prophecy and speaking in tongues and that kind of stuff um kind of don't happen anymore that that was that was the belief of the college yeah okay Huh. And, and many of the professors and everything like that. Really? Yeah. That's that was always fascinating to me because I was on the other side of that coin of mm-hmm. um the gifts of the spirit still very much exist then. Yeah. And yeah. whatever. Did you were you conflicted with that at any point? I was I was um I was definitely because um the biblical workarounds that you have to do to reach that conclusion. Conclusion is just well, I think what are they? There's a verse that says, "Once the perfect comes, then these things will no longer be needed." Right. And the, they always assume that the perfect is the Bible mm-hmm. for some reason, instead of Christ um, right, right. and whatever that means, you know. And then, anyways, yeah. So <laughs> I and because I remember going to like I remember just that was a thing of just like evangelical churches, like oh these ones do believe in the gifts and these ones don't, and it's like. That's another thing of, like, when you're stuck in these crazy, like, this religion is right, this, not even this religion, this um, one sect of this religion is the absolute yeah. right one. Then yeah. then you're at this weird place of, like, yeah, but these guys are so close, yet they don't believe this one thing, mm-hmm. you know? is like, well, then what do you do with that, you know? So, what, what was, like, were there any, like, real, like, what was the... What was the thing that kind of like shifted your rudder? Um, I would say there throughout college, it was mostly just little things. And um, I graduated college and uh, I ended up getting a full time job where I was basically doing sort of like this supervisor position in a warehouse. Um, And it was very like the work was like very on my own and i went from like being at college where i'm around people all the time to like basically being with myself all the time um which for me was right fine 
mm-hmm. didn't struggle with like not having as much of the social stuff. Um, but I was also listening to podcasts uh, all the time, like eight to ten hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, some more serious than others, but um, yeah. And there was there was one that I uh, that I started listening to where. Uh, it was called Good Christian Fun, and they're still doing it. Um, and it was basically like just a hangout. It was basically a hangout podcast for people who had grown up steeped in like '90s Christian culture um, and had like since kind of backed away from that. Mm-hmm. And so they had a lot of very meaningful uh, conversations on that podcast about. Um, like because it the subject matter brought up a lot of the um ridiculous things sometimes troubling things about what i was brought up on and um just having deep conversations about that and it was like kind of i think that was the sort of thing that really was me standing there eight hours a day doing that stuff and listening to that was kind of what really what were the things? Um, man, I don't know. It feels like so long ago now because of the coffee shop and everything. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, and you know everything else that's happened in between. There's just been it's yeah. been eighty thousand lives, and it was also such a internal journey for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like there wasn't really anyone that I was like processing it with because so much of it was like a very. Um, I mean, on one hand, it was liberating, but on the other hand, it was, like, just very uncomfortable because, like, it's literally this stuff that I, like, all of me was built up around that is just slowly just being, like, if I don't believe this anymore, what do I believe about this? Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, like, when that happens, like, you get to the point where you're, like, do I believe God exists? I know Mm -hmm. you've been there. Mm -hmm. And, like just like when you reach that point it's like especially for me when like my entire life was built upon the assumption that god exists right it's just like going back into that homogenous nature of things like when your when your whole family and your family's you know code and your family's you know they build themselves around this idea that that you know at the center of it all is this you know benevolent being entity whatever you want to call yeah to to have that just kind of did you feel like there was a domino effect because that's what i kind of picked up from you it's like you saw one thing and then you questioned that and then you saw the correlation to that and to other things yeah yeah okay there was also um i should also say there was like this other this was kind of happening around the same time i was involved with this uh this ministry group that did um like musical performances of verbatim mm-hmm. Bible yeah, scripture. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me about this. Um, and uh, I guess it was just a way to like encourage people, like, and it was mainly for Christians. Although we did some kind of like more public outreach, um, just to like encourage people to actually be in scripture because so many Christians like aren't reading their Bibles right. or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but through that experience, because we were going to churches, um, I, like the one summer, probably went to 50 or more 
churches um, just in one summer. And like we would do our performance, but it was often structured during their normal service and Mm -hmm. the normal things that they do. And like this was all kind of happening at the same time. And so like I'd be listening to this podcast questioning, you know, what do I believe about faith and God and then the church and like really kind of turning on what my feelings toward the church were. I was getting pretty sour to it. And then at the same time going to these churches and just seeing these things over and over and over again of people just being so self-centered and not focused on, on unity or God or love even. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it all just kind of tumbled from there. Yeah. That was something that I've, I've felt I noticed pretty early into my Christian walk was that it was was that the idea of just the simple notion of love and and loving your neighbor wasn't it it, it was a a aspect of the christian faith it right. wasn't the kind of like listen you want if you want to embody everything that jesus is pointing to the the proper thing to do is to love yeah you know and uh, there was also the element of people like their mindset is of course we do that like of Mm -hmm. course i love my neighbor but Mm -hmm. when it comes right down to it when you really tear it open and be like do you really from the way that you act Mm -hmm. and all that and that was something that i was like having open for myself at the same time was like like do do i really love people as well as like i think that i do Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and what does it mean to love? I mean, because right. like, I'm sure that those people genuinely do believe that they're enacting love. Yeah. But it's a love that has been defined by their their uh, echo chamber. Yeah. You yeah, know, absolutely. so like it's it's one of those things of it's the it's a paradox because within these ideologies, it always they always have answers to make it seem like it makes sense. You know, and yeah. so it's like the idea of like the most I mean, I've I'm sure you've heard this a as just as many times as I had, but the idea of the most loving thing you can do for a person is tell them that they're going to hell. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and inside of that box, it works, you know, uh-huh. like, cause it's, cause I mean, that's, it's, I mean, it's, it's very, lo- it's a very logical sort of, right. If you believe that if I just sitting here between the two of us, if you believe that when I die, I went to this place of eternal torment and, punishment mm-hmm. you'd be an asshole not to tell me yeah. <laughs> to give yeah, me a heads up absolutely. you know like and maybe i'm just trying to justify the fact that that was my job for five years <laughs> um but i i uh it's but it, and that's why i don't get angry at those people that still do that because i understand that they're just they're literally trying to save the world and like yeah it's i still get a little angry about it what what does it look what does that anger look like i think just because like i see how misguided it is and mm-hmm. how um so much of what churches do is to sustain their church and like that's what their focus is on yeah um i i think i i i'm a huge believer in uh, house churches right because it's like you don't have to worry about a building yeah. You know, like, just imagine if you got rid of, I mean, how much more money could you put somewhere else if you didn't? I don't even want to talk about money yeah. in the church. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, no, I. That's just a whole other can of worms. Too. It really yeah. is. That's that one seemed to be a real source of bias for you. <laughs> so, did you have like, did you have the like, is God real crisis? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. How long did that last for you? Um, it's hard to say because it was kind of off and on mm-hmm. uh, for a while. Um, did yeah. you? Did you? Because that's one thing I was going to ask you. Going through all of that, I was going to sit, was going to ask you is, did you feel like there was a strain between you and, you know, we don't have to call it God, we can call it our higher selves, whatever. That there mm-hmm. was just a a disconnect there, that, because for me when I was going through it, it felt like God was this thing that I was trying to get to or trying to right. comprehend, whereas prior it felt like something I was in communion with and kind of working with. Yeah. And yeah, then I can identify with that. For mm-hmm. sure. uh, yeah. And then, so then, well, okay. So I'm going to just kind of say some things that like, cause for me, I, I think I had the, the two biggest things that I struggled with was, I guess, probably if you could ev- evolution and uh, homosexuality mm. and all those things, like it was so, the science aspect was how can you trust scientists to like tell you where, how a GPS works or how like water freezes and melts, but you don't trust them in these other areas. And obviously right. science probably isn't always, I mean, there's checks and balances in science and that exists for a reason. Right. And yeah. it continues to grow upon new information. And so we're go- only going to find new, new information. Right. Um, so obviously there's an argument to be made that's like this is just wrong, but I don't I don't see that to be true. I did right. I did get to this place because this was this was like really at like like almost at peak deconstruction, but I was like still trying to save my faith, and I was reading this. I wanted to find a book that was like, listen, it's okay to be a Christian and believe in evolution. And I bought a book and I read like the first chapter and like saw that that was like the argument that he was raising. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody has done the work to prove it. And that's, I mean, that's telling of being stuck in ideology, right? Because yeah. I, w- I literally looked for someone else to give the approval that th- yeah, this thing yeah. existed in order for me to believe it. Yeah. And... That's that's an ideological yeah, thing. You needed someone else to kind of give you the the okay <laughs> to believe what I already believed. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Did you struggle with uh, like those sort of things, or was your? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, you're you're a very smart and like intelligent person. Yeah. So I'm sure that the, the con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with saying that because uh, it's true. But um, I actually said to my dad today that I was both sensitive and intelligent and like said it without like hesitance. It's a good uh-huh. self-love thing, man. When you yeah. like when you can see those things about you, like mm-hmm. and there's people maybe like who don't like who thinks that we're just being pompous assholes, but you can you should affirm the good things about yourself. I agree. Um but yeah, so what did like the science struggle look like? Yeah, the um the creation evolution was definitely a big one for me and uh that was one that I See, I didn't have a problem with the idea like I, I, it was more of the fact that evolution didn't doesn't exist. Just was no. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was always fine with the idea of like, well, couldn't have God just done it this way? Yeah. Like, 
and then man popped up in Adam and Eve and going from there. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily mean no God. He just potentially... But I do understand the correlation between, you know, Genesis and the strong belief that that's literally how it happened as opposed to, like, a a poetic interpretation, let's say. Yeah. um, And the way I grew up, it was very exclusive where, like, if... Like, if you don't believe in biblical uh, creationism where God created the world in seven calendar days Um, if you don't believe that then the whether you realize it or not the like full realization of your beliefs will end with God not existing because he's not necessary um, there was like this fear about uh, evolutionism where it would like, like kill it, God. It, yeah, it kind of takes away the necessity of God, which I, I don't uh, think it does. Right, yeah, I don't see how that's actually... Yeah, and that was something I kind of reckoned with in college because... And that was something I reckoned with quietly in college. I mean, I'm already a quiet person, but like... Um, I mean, I was even in a friend group where like I still... Like, as I was kind of reckoning with these questions, um, still didn't really feel comfortable to kind of voice it. Like, yeah, I don't know if I would have been, like, rejected if I had told my friends that um, I think someone can be homosexual or in a homosexual relationship and, like, still practice Christian. be a Christian and, right. like, believe yeah. in God and be accepted by God. Mm-hmm. Um but like i definitely had that fear that it might so it was definitely something that i kind of but didn't how many want to talk you, about how many people do you think in that circle like had those struggles well there were definitely so that, that's the interesting thing about bible college where that's something that's very um not accepted it was even in like the college constitution or whatever that i don't know i don't remember i think i remember signing something about being straight? Like like a conduct thing where uh, like... You will act like a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Again, by their definition of exactly. what, like, what that means. Where was I? Um, talking about uh, s- struggling with science oh, and, oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in private. So, um, so the interesting thing was seeing uh, people that I did not know were gay graduate and then come out of the closet. Yep. Like they were, you know, mm-hmm. in it with us and we like never would have known because um, uh, obviously they felt pressured to keep that a secret. And then, you know, once they're out of that circle, they're free to, you know, to Embrace express that. themselves how yeah. they feel the need to. And um, that's so sad. Yeah. It, I, it came from like it started at a place of confusion and like ended with a place of sadness of like that that that's the way that they had to that yeah. they felt the need to act yeah i i uh, i don't want to be giving too much detail out but i knew two people from my time in ministry that have that came into ministry with a history of homosexuality and then was like now I'm, now it's straight time and then have left that time and, have, and are both uh homosexual one one of them's married to a man mm-hmm. and who 
they let me they're wonderful tom me and david there's they're phenomenal people i don't yeah i'll mention them by name they let me live with them for right after they got married in uh oregon they were they're huge sweethearts i love them so much and i miss them um but yeah that so i don't i mean i don't remember there ever being a time where i was like man i i just i can't remember when i affirmed that it was okay to be gay and a christian but i just knew at some point i was like yeah i'm sure that's okay you know um and now i'm just like yeah god's just there for everybody you know (laughs) like feel the need to find some way to reconcile it right um yeah and i mean just also like uh i i too didn't necessarily have a lot of those conversations um mostly because a lot of my struggles with god came from like personal feelings of abandonment from the beloved um it was, I mean, I just, I was too bogged down by, like, the purity culture of it all. Purity culture of it all. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't say that clearly. Um, and I've, I spent way too much of my energy and my, my time focusing on that. And that, that was my God. And that was my, yeah. um, you know, I, I heard somebody say one time that your relationship with god came down to you did you or did you not masturbate today (laughs) and like for me i was just like this i don't i eventually got to a point where it's like man spirituality like i'm literally being or i'm being sent to hell for this thing that i just can't control and it's like that's that's that that is hell you know that's that's Mm. something that you you're just stuck in for eternity and you, you can't get out of that was that was one of those things uh that was addressed a lot on that podcast of uh, of the purity culture and uh that was one of those things that kind of like made me think back to all those like youth group talks about you know where they split up the boys and the girls and it's mm-hmm. like have you been looking at porn or right. like that kind of I mean, stuff we did that in bible college like you know and it's yeah yeah i think i did too like again at it's, least a few times it's, yeah uh, this is me like playing the side of the people who aren't here to defend themselves it's like again it makes sense within the circle you know you want to take care of this person you want it to you want the best for them yeah um but yeah it so that that for me was more of like i was just tired of constantly trying to like not masturbate or like whatever you know like it was just way too much like it had nothing to do with you know I would say, I mean, it has something to do, but like, it just, it felt like I was doing this task while like God was kind of just off doing its own thing. Right. Um, and so that, I mean, that's a whole other thing and maybe we can do a whole episode on that at some point. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, um, what did you, okay. So I guess what, what did you have in like any really low points at, at all through that process of deconstruction? Um, cause you are very, like an, a very internal, like stoic kind of keep it all in. Yeah. Whereas I was like literally like shaking my fist at the heavens, like cursing God, you know? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> We're like the polar opposite. Yeah. When it comes to that, it's, it's, um, people know how I feel. <laughs> um, I personally don't have the sort of, um, I don't know, maybe my church did something better than other churches that I didn't have that innate feeling of like God is 
in any given moment, either for me or against me. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's either helping me or he's turning away because of what I'm doing. Right. Um, what do you, so what do you think that is? Just good, good raising of an idea of what God really is? Or was it? I th- um, yeah, I think there were definitely elements that were very accurate to who God is in, mm-hmm. in like my church upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were definitely plenty that wasn't, but like, yeah, there were some, like there was a very big emphasis on, on grace. Um, and I think that was a very good thing. And that probably See, we was that way. We had grace as like the, uh, <laughs> if, if sin and uh, what's that? like the idea of like you're saved by Jesus Jesus's sacrifice that would be like the main meal and then the dessert was grace right Does, if that made sense yeah, yeah. I didn't have a the whole thing is grace <laughs> kind of thing you know yeah, it was yeah. grace is the product that you only get because Jesus died right. not the fact that as Richard Rohr says grace is intrinsic to nature it mm-hmm. just it's a part of yeah, the process of humans that everyone gets to a point where grace is bestowed upon them, and but I definitely did have that. Uh, God is against me, like, and I I can't. I think it might have had something to do with like, um, the theology that I was given of like, because I didn't necessarily believe in you can lose your salvation. Because I like lean more towards Calvinistic beliefs. Yeah, um, it was just that you were never saved. But again, like God is this thing to be won, right? Like, yeah. like you either have it or you don't. Not like this pool that we're all swimming in. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean it's just shitty. And I think that was on on the other side of deconstruction. It was very much me realizing that the God that I was presented wasn't the full God that there mm. is. It was a very like, yeah, it was a very Protestant yeah. white God, you know? Yeah. Um, did you have what, any, anything like that? Like realizing when, when did you, I mean, if you did, did you see God kind of expanding outside of your box of belief or whatever? Definitely. I think that was also something that you helped me with as well. Um, as we were having so many conversations through construction of breast and like, and that was kind of like the tail end of my like (laughs) reconstruction in a way where like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff was just kind of broken away. And I'm just kind of like, like taking a view at all of this without the blinders on and being like, what, what actually is is actually God and, and all that. What? Well, Okay. What were you going to say? I felt like you were going to keep going. Yeah, like we were talking so much and like you take a very, very broad view of God. Um, and I think that was helpful for me um, to kind of uh, just encounter that from like a personal relationship, like between you and me. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think for me it was when I moved to Oregon, I remember moving with the specific question of what is God? It wasn't who, right. it was what is this? What do we talk about when we say this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, here's what I assumed. Here's, this was the thesis that I was going off of, is there was a point in time, there was, 
many points in time where I had extreme religious experiences, what is the evolutionary reason for that experience? Right. Um, and what it got me to was that it was that's a real experience, you know. <laughs> like, um, but like it was the wrestling of because you don't just want to give into the obvious. Like you want to just kind of be like, well, what is this? You know, is it just a um, a byproduct, it's a, a super reward mechanism in one's head or something like that. Whatever yeah. whatever critiques you would have of religious experiences. Um, so that was, like, really what I wrestled with for the, I mean, for over a year, probably straight, of just, like, what is God, you know? And yeah. there's a reason that he's called infinite, you know? Because it's, it's so big yeah. that it's it's and and something i really realize is like when you talk about something like god like even for people listening right now if they hear that word i hope i hope that their interpretation of that isn't me saying there's this you know again one religion one this one true thing uh the bhagavad gita has this great quote um uh it's something along the lines of like do you see these million idols? They are all just my many faces. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to say that in like an argument with a Christian and just be like, listen, like this guy is saying that the Bhagavad Gita is saying that the ultimate is made manifest in many different ways and, and right. many different faces. Like, and, and also that one person's understanding of a whole God, like while it's, might be a very small view of God. It's still a a piece of God. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, again, you know, there's a thousand ways. There's, I mean, there's infinite ways to get into an infinite pool. Right? right. So like it literally, I, I, I have so much, I mean, I'm sure I'll talk about this a thousand times on this podcast, but a lot of regrets about not, better understanding Taoism when I was over in Taiwan because that was the main religion. Mm -hmm. And Tao, what, this is uh, beautiful because the word Tao is the same word in... Okay, so Tao is the word for Taoism. Tao means the way. So in the book of John where it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, it says in the beginning was the Tao and the Tao was with God and was God. And like... I knew that then, and so it was more of like an evangelical or evangelistic tool to be like, listen, like your religion's mentioned in my holy book. It was not the fact that we share a, a Tao, <laughs> you know, we share a way, and mm -hmm. it was it was still that mentality of like, no, come to the right one instead of like, let us together soak up this beautiful thing mm. that we're participating with. Yeah. Did you get any like pushback from anybody in your life who was like? Cause you weren't, I would assume, that you weren't as vocal about it as I was. Because I just put took, took the whole internet with my, I mean, multiple podcasts and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, to go on this journey of, yeah, whatever it is. I've never been the kind of person who, uh, like, would ever say controversial things. Um, so, I think... Um, I don't know if I've processed this yet. I don't know if I regret this or not, keeping it so internal. I think mm. it would have been helpful to, like, earlier on in that process, have someone 
um, just to not be so guarded, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I did have people that I could talk to, but I didn't. Um, and I do wish that I had. Mm. See, I, I, I was scared that if I talked to anyone that I would get the same, like just gunk handed back to me of like, no, we, you know, the answer actually, cause I did right, like, right. I did have, we're trying to reason you out of your questions. Yeah. And like, also it was, I mean, it's, it's gaslighting to some degree of having people being like, you know, the truth, Tim, <laughs> you know it like, and people would say that to me and I would be like, listen, that didn't work. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm glad it's working for you, but it's not working for me. Yeah. And man, it's, and I, I have so much empathy and sympathy for those people because i'm i understand where it's coming from they just care and like they want to make sure that you're not disappointing god you know that's a that's a genuine thing it's the embodiment of it that usually is where the it it goes off you know um i i also remember when i was overseas towards the end of my time there i i See, I, I had this, maybe, I don't know if, because I don't feel like you're not an amoral person like I would be. <laughs> like, like it's, if, you know, the second I had, like, the binders off to go do what I wanted, I just went and did it, you know? Right. Like, I didn't have this, like, I, I mean, I did have, like, a knowing right from wrong. Like, I didn't go rape anybody or anything like that. Like, sure. people think you do when you desert God. But I definitely went out and, like, partied and drank and mm-hmm. slept around and, and whatnot, you know? Um, and, I mean, that was, I mean, I was also, like, dealing with my own hurt of just spending five years following a, I mean, die hard, like, move to the other side of the world for a religion that I was now in the process of believing was just utter bullshit, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, like... How do you expect a person to <laughs> respond to that? You know, like you were saying, it's you know your whole world, and then for kind of one piece to be taken out, it's it can all collapse so much. Yeah, I but I I struggled with just a lot of the like I I I still want to be a hundred percent into this, and also like I want out. Like yeah. I'd say there was a good year of that, just in and of itself, of just a struggle of like. Eh, maybe not. Let's not say a year. No, I mean, yeah. Honestly, it was probably more of a year of just like because it, it. I would say that process started when I was in Taiwan of just being like, "This is stupid," you know, like, yeah. and just seeing how poorly I was being treated because of like a bunch of other issues, and I'm just like, "Why am I here? This is dumb." Like, I don't even know if I believe these things. I wasn't like praying at all or like anything like that. Right. Um, not anything outside of like God just show yourself to me, you know? Yeah. And I remember one day when I was over there, well, this wasn't really a day. This was a, over a period of time. Um, and again, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I was, I had a bunch of really great people. This is just my experience. And just, again, I'm not, not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but I had a friend who was a teacher in one of the Bible schools and I was, I was doing, I wasn't a teacher, but I worked with the the organization and the school that he worked for, he was, somebody asked him about Genesis and was like, you know, essentially, is it okay if I believe that this isn't literally real? And my friends 
he wouldn't he didn't outright say yes but he's like well you know there's many ways to interpret this there's a whole pantheon of interpretations of this throughout church history you know from jewish to christian and because genesis belongs to both um and he actually got in trouble for that and he got his teaching time cut down because of and also like he i remember one thing this was probably one of my first like anti like strict protestant like tidbits that i kept in my head Uh was i forget i think it was like nineveh Uh, for those of you who don't know or that aren't very familiar with uh the christian faith i'm sure this podcast has been probably confusing for you at some points but christians in in some and especially in like evangelical and protestant beliefs is like everything in the bible literally happened as is like this is a complete 100 percent accurate retelling of history it's fine if you want to have the belief I don't have that belief. I believe they're in stories that are just meant to inspire. Because even if they didn't really happen, or if they did, the stories—it's just still a story in your head, yeah. you know. Um, and the story is meant to move you. But there's a story in the Bible uh, called the book is called Jonah. Jonah goes uh, to a city and pre- tells them to repent. It's a—it's a wonderful story. And we'll talk about it some other time, I'm sure. But there's a, a lot of Christians who are involved with make like finding geolo- geological evidence that these places actually existed and to try and find proof for the biblical stories to further yeah. you know confirm the the literacy of the bible or uh, legitimacy of the bible whatever you would say anywho there's very very little to be found of Nineveh and so the Christian answer is, well, it's just destroyed by God and whatever. And But there's also the idea of, like, well, what if it never actually existed? Yeah. And this is just a story. Yeah. And my buddy, again, got, like, in trouble for saying that. And it's like, man, like, I remember being there. And, like, and this is that point where I'm, like, I kind of, I, I want to be all in, but I don't. Yeah. And then I hear that, and I'm just like, maybe it doesn't matter, you know? Like, um, did you, ha- when did, what did that, oh, I was going to ask you, like, what does the Bible look like to you now or any? Um, we'll start with the Bible before we get into any other spiritual practices. I think, uh, so I grew up where the Bible was very literal, mm-hmm. um, if not completely literal. Um, and let me ask you this, because I don't know how many guests I'm going to be able to ask this, but did, did, did you have a way to reconcile Jesus speaking saying different things in the gospel but telling essentially the same story did you because in my head i was just like oh he probably just told it multiple times it's a you know it's a right, it's yeah. a teaching tidbit yeah that's how i justified it in my head yeah pretty much yeah yeah um because you couldn't say like all oh, these people are just using their own words and using because <laughs> i'm sorry to cut you off but it's like man there was it was 30 years between jesus's ascension and the first gospel 30 that's my entire life Mm -hmm. and for you like for my father to at the age of 30 he's 60 now so at the age of 30 if he had you know what how well can he remember conversations from that time well to me uh (laughs) all of the words in the bible are inspired directly inspired by the holy spirit the holy spirit see when i believe that because I believe everything's directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. So then, yeah. haha, gotcha, Christians. <laughs> but still, there's no room in in that 
circle, uh, there's no room for like really the author's individual voice, right? Because it's or the uh, fact that they would have like their own. And I mean, you can even. They, I'm sorry, I cut you off again, but like the idea that like Paul and Peter they they went at it you know and it's yeah. like well what did they go at it over and like what do those conversations look like and and who was in the right who was in the wrong and right like and, yeah and also like i remember i had a discussion with a friend of mine they were talking about uh, i think it was what was the first creed besides the apostles creed um the nicene creed i think yeah okay so i think when they were gathering on that they that's where they decided that Jesus was 100% God uh-huh. and 100% man. Up to that, it was kind of assumed that he was 100% man that had captured his divinity. Yeah. And then, so it, my friend points out, he's like, you know, where did that send church history? Yeah. That we, we took, essentially took the, we made the man aspect of Jesus a subsect of his overarching reality and threw him up into the Trinity Instead of painting Jesus as the everyman, mm-hmm. as my current interpretation of him is, is that that should be the path of every uh, every person hmm. and upwards yeah. drive towards God and death and con- con- continual death and continual res- resurrection. Yeah, I don't think those are necessarily necessarily mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because like, I mean, people were. Like, there was just violence over beliefs like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the whole (laughs) Spanish Inquisition, you know, it was people, like, getting thrown in front of, like, a church council where they can be tortured for, like, believing something differently than someone else. Right. Which is just bonkers to me. Yeah. I mean, that's... Bonkers is probably the, the proper word. Because it's, I mean, John Calvin also gave the okay for someone's, like, a heretic's death. You yeah. know, he he was the Paul of that, the irony of it all, you yeah. know? Yeah, And it's, people don't know that about, you know, the the founder of the Protestant religion was someone that was okay with the, the murdering of heretics. <laughs> and, or let's not say murdering, let's use, you know, justifiable word. Let's say, yeah, um, the you know. Because, I mean, but there isn't a proper word for killing a person because of their beliefs. Unless, I mean, you don't kill people for their beliefs. You kill people. Death penalty you get for your actions. Yeah. You know? Like, so if this guy's belief was, like, it's okay to stab children, then, yeah, you obviously want to incapacitate that person. But if they had a belief, whatever, I don't know what it was, but to have that belief, I'm sure it wasn't anything that was worth ending a man's life over. Yeah. You know, especially if you believe in... eternal conscious torment yeah i mean joan of arc was literally burned at the stake because she equated herself with god in front of you know an important person yeah they the council asked her the question and we'll see there's i remember one time i heard some somebody were talking about the person who wrote amazing grace Mm -hmm. and this is just me retelling a story i don't remember i don't know if this is actually like true uh, they were just like, yeah, he, that's a great poem, but eventually he lost his mind, and then he started like equating himself with God, and blah 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 blah, and like was just like writing the dude off, and it's like, well, like, 
it it was just such a quick i didn't have the 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 cognitive understanding that i do now of religions and where they come from and and what they they mean and stuff so it was more of just like or what the actual point of religion is is to open you up to your divinity you know um and so you know you hear in that circle of like someone being like i am god it's just like I mean, even now, I don't like I don't like that language. It's it's for me. I don't like it. I understand when people say that, and I'm like, yeah, I understand it. But I'm also like, okay, then make a anything. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like you're God, but you're also a very human person. You right. know, and they're, and I think that the the beautiful thing found with Jesus is that he's both, and it's, <laughs> I I remember I saw this meme one time that was like bisexual doesn't mean I'm 50% into girls and I'm 50% into men. It means I'm 100% into girls and I'm 100% into men. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with Jesus is that he's 100% God yeah, and he's 100% man. Yeah. You know? So it's, that's the part that we confuse. We say 50, 50. He's like, no, I am fully both. Yeah. And yeah. again, that's the archetype for everybody. Yeah. It's the learning to wake up to that. We were at one point talking about where you were, with, like, what's your relationship with the Bible now? Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's this very, like, slippery slope mentality to the people who believe in, like, uh, take a very little literal interpretation. Yeah, I mean, people actually use that terminology yeah, yeah. for, like, to me. Yeah, same. That's what I grew up on. It's like, if you don't take... Um, creation literally or revelation literally like that is that just opens you up to like what if you don't take the 10 commandments literally you're just going to go start killing people right i mean the problem is again that they're probably right you know because it does start taking you down this path of questioning things yeah see the thing is i think people know that that path is the path i would say that they there's different levels of the subconscious, right? So there's probably a deep subconscious level of them that says that they know that they have to go through the deconstruction. They have to go through the, the, the shit and mm-hmm. like dig through and figure this out for themselves. But they don't want to go there because it hurts. It sucks. It sucks to, to, for God to die, yeah. you know? Like, but I think that they put up these subconscious ideological boundaries around people leaving there and they use scary ideas of like it's a slippery slope. It's... yeah. But, like, they know that because it's, you know, it's it's true to some degree. Yeah. But it's not a, like, I remember I, I remember thinking this. I don't know if I ever said this to a person, but it's like, yeah, don't you want to go on a slide? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, it's, they're supposed to be fun. Yeah, but. and there's also just, like, the, like, why would, like, this is a poem right here. Why would you take this literally? Someone wrote these words to convey a certain thought message emotion or whatever mm-hmm. and i'm you know you can have literal poems but like you know something like it's it's metaphorical truth, yeah yeah right? it's there's yeah i don't know it's there can be a balanced view that has both viewing parts of the bible as literal and parts of it as um as figurative like trying to teach you something using something that may not have happened should i put you on the spot and ask you if jesus really rose from the dead 
I do believe that he did. Personally. I, I'm like, why not? It's a crazy world. Who the hell knows what happens? <laughs> um, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I, there's it's no hill I would die on, right? Mm. Like, it's. Interesting. Um, but it's, because I don't just see the resurrection as a, a thing that is, I don't see, I don't interpret the resurrection as one day you two will rise. It's that all things are rising. Because mm. I, I mostly, when I look at Jesus, I, I try to look at him through the, the view that John sets up of him as the, lo- the logos, right? This Tao that we talked about. This yeah. Tao in Chinese, it means path. So again, way. So it's, it's there's this, there's this way, because in, in Taoism, it's like, the universe is set up like this and everything kind of is an echo of this. And so saying that the e the the message of uh of the cosmos is death and resurrection. And that's kind of how I interpret the crucifixion as well as the yeah. resurrection. That it's it's a it's a symbolic representation of the just the eternal truth in in every aspect. Yeah. But again, does that mean that his body physically arose? I'm I'm I I I could be swayed either way because it, it ultimately doesn't come down to me because it's like because even Paul says the body that is rose is not a, the same body that like you right. currently have. So even at that point, then you're just I'm just like well then define the word body. Yeah, you know? I mean, and it's so hard to, like, when the fundamental belief is that Jesus was 100% man and also 100% God, like, what, mm-hmm. like, how does that actually, like, you can't say how that actually right. fully works out in reality. Yeah. yeah, other than, I mean, just everything is that one thing, you know? Right. Um, see, I think, I think our, where our, where our religion really drops the ball is that it doesn't have... It doesn't, it, at least, okay, so our current, where it's kind of got to now, I think early Christianity had this. I don't think current Christianity has this, but there's, there's an idea of an incomprehensible God. Mm-hmm. Everything that is currently exists within our ethos or our pantheon or, or whatever is very much a comprehensible, like, God is like this and like blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. The idea that God exists beyond knowledge or comprehension, people can't comprehend that literally by definition. So it's just, they just don't know what to do with it, yeah. you know? And I think, I, I think that kills a lot of the mystery of Christianity is that like, there's no place to look at it and say, oh, God is bigger than we understand, mm-hmm. you know, because the Christian faith is very much God became flesh and showed us how to rise to our divinity, yeah. you know? So it's, he's very clear cut. Whereas, you know, the, the, uh, the Jewish people with, um, Kabbalah and Eastern religions have more of this place of, there's this incomprehensible thing that we just, it just kind of exists a priori, a priori and everything else yeah. kind of, um, falls down from that. And, and, even going back to what the Bhagavad Gita said, that everything is just kind of a expression of that one bigger thing. So even the Christian message and the Christian whatever is just a aspect yeah. of that thing. So 
I, again, because we don't have that in Christianity, we look at something like the resurrection. And also there's a question of, like, why did no one post-resurrection recognize him until he, like, allowed it to some degree, you know? Right. So it's just, and, like, his body just didn't seem to abide by the same rules. And I think the authors did that intentionally to be like, listen, this isn't, this isn't the same thing as was before. Yeah, you it know? could very well be. I, I, yeah, and again, like, because I guess in part, like, part in my head, I'm just like, yeah, everything resurrects. So, like, yeah, it's yeah. just like even my, like, my physical body when it, if I would like, I want to put this on the record, when I die. I just want to just put me in a hole in the ground. That would be the greatest honor for me. People, like, I've said that to so many people, and they're like, oh, that's so disrespectful. Like, why don't you want this? Like, I'm like, no. I want to be able to, to give my body properly back to the thing that has given it, given it to me, you know? Yeah. And so that in and of itself is its own form of, form of resurrection, right? Because yeah. my body's decomposing and going into everything. Yeah, and life comes out of that, yeah. Right, and yeah. so, like... And that, well, I remember just being a kid, and I don't know if you had this conundrum, but my mom being like, you know, when, just like, I don't know if your parents ever try to explain death to you, but like being like, listen, when you die, I will be there, like, you know? And I was always like, well, what are you going to look like? Are you going to look like the mom I know, or do you get to pick what age you want to be? Right. You know? So, again, like, going with Paul of like, just the, the resurrected body we don't know what that looks like because it's probably incomprehensible to us. It's probably above yeah. our pay grade because this is kind of what we're, I mean, we even count in things of 10 just because we have these 10 fingers. So it's hard to say like what our interpretation of the next thing would be. Yeah. Um, do you still pray? Yeah. 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 Uh, what does that look like? Um, I don't know. It's, it's a very, Sometimes I feel like I'm so internal that it's hard to put, like, the internal things into words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't Does know. Does it look like a vocal thing, or is it more no. of, like, no? So it's... Yeah. Well, I don't mean vocal as in, like... Right, but, like... Like, in, like, like a conversational in, sort mm-hmm. of thing in my head or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, like, I'm even not much like that for a thought process as well. Like, I don't really talk much in my head. So, like, when someone asks how I'm feeling at any given moment. That's like a really hard question for me to answer because like, you're not thinking about I'm, it. I'm not in a process of like in that constant process of putting that stuff into words. Well, now I'm curious, what does the internal like dialogue look like for you? Or like, is there, what is, what is your, okay. So what does prayer look like? Go back to that. <laughs> and then do you, cause I am so focused on the thoughts in my head. They are, I'm not always, but like they are incredibly consuming for me. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of like back out of that. Do you, do you feel like, do you struggle with that at all? Or is that like, how do you, do you just utilize your thoughts or are you, can you be consumed by them? Um, it's very rare for me to be consumed by my thoughts. Um, and I guess like, I guess you could take that back to like the Enneagram thing where like I is a nine 
it's like a body center sort of thing. And so like the way I, so the Enneagram for people that don't know, is just the personality test. That's it. I mean, not just the personality test. It's a a very good one. There's nine different, it's called Enneagram. There's nine different uh, types and you can have like a wing into a different personality. We'll probably do an episode on that eventually, but Jay is what they call a peacekeeper, Mm -hmm. I believe. Right. So a very moderate in the middle kind of person. Yeah. Um, like keeping the peace i like enneagram because i feel like it like it describes me very well and it has also helped me um understand what the more unhealthy um, like tendencies that i have personality wise which is more of like withdrawal for me Mm. um and what the healthy tendencies look like um yeah so we, well, we don't need to make this a podcast about the ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess for me, did, there's there's so many good books. I mean, there's one that you're currently reading that I gave to you that I would recommend to anybody at home. It's called On Becoming a Musical Mystical Bear by Matthew Fox. It's a phenomenal read. It's very dense, but it is the one of the best things i've ever written on or ever written ever read on the not even to the just the christian faith but what does it mean to be a person who wants to interact with living spirit with life right and the way that he talks about that is um you know he he personifies life and existence as god and Mm -hmm. i i think that that's the proper interpretation because you know i am i am the way the truth the life you know it's yeah we I, I, and again, we've gone back, we've had discussions about me being a pan-atheist, which is that creation itself is an aspect or is a part of God and is God manifests himself through those things, through creation. Um, oh, shit, I lost my path of where we were going with this. Oh, talking about prayer. Oh, no. Yep, I think that's that's gone. Oh, no. Oh, so it's <laughs> so I so it's the idea of Okay, so Jesus says this thing, something along the lines of Okay, so there's this verse that Christians love to use to justify that Christianity is the only religion which is um where Jesus says I am the way, the truth, and the life, but but before that he says uh you he says people always say the if you when you know the truth the truth shall set you free mm-hmm. but that is preceded by jesus saying if you stay in my teachings then you will know the truth and then you will be right. set free so what comes first is an embodied action and then is the the liberation yeah. you know and then yeah. is then you find that this path is the way the truth and the life and that's you're embodying that and so that's why again like it's for me spirituality has become more about embodying this embodying god and that's how i move through life yeah so it's no longer this trying to find this thing or whatever but it's when i'm not acting accordingly then it's just not there you know it's i won't say it's you know it's it's not a thing of acts that save you but it's it's the aligning yourself with the higher parts of yourself and living in truth and yeah whatever is do you is, is that what prayer looks like for you 
I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, I would say prayer for me is more meditative than conversational. Mm. Like, I like the, your statement of, like, aligning yourself with the higher. And it's, it's interesting that we know what that idea of alignment looks like and that when, yeah. like, you're off, you can, people know that there's, again, like, I, I know people are turned off by the word God because of the connotations of that and, like, the religious baggage right. that, that everyone has. So I'm I'm t- totally fine with interchanging that word with your higher self and the best parts of you and sure. you at your you know absolute best. Yeah, because uh, we've all had those times when we're like we feel complete synchronicity when we're completely in the flow and like that's when I that's when I most feel like I'm embodying the spirit and living in that and yeah. letting it flow through me. You know, yeah. getting my ego out of the way. This kind of goes back to deconstruction a little bit, but I remember um, it, f- it felt like kind of a milestone for me because I remember the first time that someone kind of like explained their set of beliefs, um, which, you know, for the most part, were like very Christian, How you know, uh, but that they don't like to use the term Christian to describe themselves. And I remember hearing that and for the first time, like not being offended by that. Hmm. Um, yeah, because, you know, like it's <laughs> the labels are so important growing up, like the word God, the word Christian, like it's what you identify as. And like, but when we're, getting more and more into this time where like Christian can also mean um, like someone who is hateful toward a certain set of beliefs Um, like or certain group people groups yeah and like the way I grew up would always come back to like well that's not what the word actually means it means like a follower of Christ or little Christ or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. just like words have more meanings wrapped up in them and that's something that should be considered like i'm not like my set of beliefs is not threatened by the labels that describe it or don't describe it right like it's kind of transcends the english language believe it or not right and and i mean even the fact that like people I always love the fact that Christians never called themselves Christians that they were they were called that they were just like listen right. we're Jews that are just following a rabbi and then it was like people who, who saw the distinction between the way that the you know the followers of rabbi Jesus were you know different from rabbi yaddle yaddle you know like whatever it so it was that that was the shift in you know the the breaking off of the religion cuz I mean, Buddha was the same way with Hinduism and as Jesus was with Judaism. Is they didn't come to start a new religion; they yeah. just came to show how the religion should properly be done. But because of the elapse in time, that when that was fully embodied, it looked so different from the thing that it had come from that they called it a different religion. You yeah. know, because yeah. Buddhism essentially got rid of a lot of the like eso like not nah, I wouldn't say esoteric, but a lot of the like a lot of the the god imagery out of it and made it more about like this the self and i mean jesus did that to some degree by bringing it into flesh and blood you know he brought it a little bit closer to home still 
um, I think, I mean, the God presented in like traditional Judaism is so like out there, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I think they're fine with that. Cause they're like, listen, we're just kind of here doing our own thing. God's off doing his own thing. And as long as it. we follow the certain set of laws and we're, we're fine. Yeah. Like we're just kind of put here to be doing this stuff anyway. So we yeah. might as well just be doing this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, and I think I have a lot of resentment. I won't say I think I, I do have a lot of resentment for this. Was I remember my second week of Bible college being told that I wasn't, it wasn't pro a proper belief to believe that other people of other religions also went to heaven, mm -hmm. and because I wanted to like appease the my superiors and the, like the group that I was in, like I had just you know I just got into Bible college. I had flew to the other side of the world and I was there for. I didn't have a return ticket. I had planned for stay to stay for over a year, you know? So then it's like to be told that like you can't participate with this unless you fully embrace it. What other choice do I have, yeah. you know? And then I, it pisses me off because I got back to this place of like, oh, I fucking believed this seven years ago, you know? And then somebody yeah. told me I couldn't. And I, I, I you know in my free will surrendered to that and you know it i mean there's a lot of so like even even probably this is like a reaction to like no like if you don't participate with christian faith you're still going to go back to the beloved mm. one day you know that's i believe that and because there's i mean there's this verse in the bible that says where can i go that departs from your presence and he even mentions death yeah and it's like okay then he's there you know yeah. it's there it's again it's eternity you're it's and again this goes back to the idea of god being this thing rather than the whole thing you yeah. know the whole the everything from creation to whatever is beyond creation like it's it's all a, a, a part of what we would call god yeah um and i yeah i just don't think because we can't comprehend that and like we need because there's this i remember i tried to read a lot of books that were also like good affirming of the christian faith while reading books that like were deconstructions of the christian faith because right. i didn't want it to just be like a clear one-sided argument sure. um and one of the points that i remember someone making about you know christianity as opposed to like an eastern religion is that jesus looks a lot he's human right like yeah. so even the humans to some degree in hinduism are blue you know like krishna's blue but he was a man but he was a blue man so like he's he's still like different and he was this person was saying he's like if you saw a hindu god walking down the street for you you would you wouldn't know how to interact with that and so that's why jesus is better because he's man but my response is like yeah but sometimes you're walking down the street and life just doesn't make sense and that's where these these crazy images come from because that's a, you know a aspect of the whole thing yeah you know jesus life doesn't always make sense like jesus is pretty like i mean he definitely has a lot of mystery wrapped around him but he's so flesh and blood yeah to see like there's not a lot of interpretation on him healing people you know he's clearly a, a good guy who like wanted people to be able to live in their best and was 
able he was able to be that window of grace into their life and so he was you yeah. know yeah and yeah geez i'm trying to think if there's any anything else along this any other stories or anything that you can think of or what what would be something you would if if someone who was listening right now who was going through like a deconstruction area of their faith what would you want to leave them with I don't know. It's it's challenging because so much of that is always just a personal journey. Um, but I don't know. In a way, like, don't be afraid of it. Like, dive into it. And, uh, like, really don't back down from just encountering uh, what your beliefs actually are and, like, and why you believe them and what your inconsistencies and prejudices are and break those down and like like because the goal is to come out at the end of it to like be closer well i mean when you start deconstructing you don't have a goal it's just happening no, it's just chaos <laughs> well there's i think i think there's i think there are like two experiences of i think there's the more chaotic of like the rug being pulled out from underneath your feet and mm-hmm. other there's other experiences which seems to align a little bit more with yours of like just gradual like oh this doesn't make sense but still kind of like building it back up yeah i did def- and i'm I'm not trying to say that you know one is better or anything but i definitely had like the rug pulled out from underneath me and just like just fell yeah. you know like and and that's where like a lot of like the anger and the resentment right. came from because it was just like it was a whole j- job that i had <laughs> and then like pulled out from underneath me you know yeah. um yeah i think that's great advice i would just i would say i think i definitely think the idea of don't be scared of what you actually believe you know just learn learn what you you know better educate yourself on what is true you know and i'm sure i know you would agree that it's okay to be wrong yeah you know and because you're not what you believe they're just happen to be a part of the narrative that's going on inside of you yeah you know you're more than than those things and and I I would say also like find someone you trust that you can talk through it with. Yeah. Whether that be a friend or a counselor or whoever. Yeah. Cuz like yeah, I I do wish that I had cuz I had people that I could have. I do wish that I had kind of talked through. I think it would have not necessarily sped along the process, but I think I would have felt a lot more secure through the whole thing if I had someone going through that with me. Yeah. 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 I yeah, and you know, I mean, you got to make sure that there are people who genuinely care about you. Yeah, because I had, I had, well, let's not say genuinely care about you. It's people who will point you in the best direction, regardless of the outcome for them personally. Right. Because I had during my de- deconstruction, I had my non-spiritual friends being like, "It's fine, just leave it," you know, because because. Right in their world it's like they just never had it so it's like okay to just walk away from yeah and on the flip side i had uh abby and bobby who were like and and emily bensinger and just people we know who were uh just very much just like listen it, it's okay for you to believe these things it's okay for you to be going through them we don't have you know, there's no window that says if you don't believe these things by this time, then you're out. And I definitely struggled with that before of having that feeling of yeah. like you have to 
believe these things or you're gone. And then so trying to find a circle where it's like, it's okay to believe whatever you want. Yeah. And I still affirm that like, I'm, I'm fine with people being atheists. I'm fine with people being new age, whatever it is, you know, they're, everyone's allowed, everyone's on their own path. Mm. And I, like, I always, I'm a firm believer of if I was the, the entity born in your life, I would probably end up the exact same place that that person is at. And if you were born in my shoes, you'd end up right in this chair. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have any anger or hostility towards other belief systems because it's it doesn't help me you know yeah to have that so yeah if you're if you're going through these things you know there's a lot of a lot of resources out there that's really good and just go to preston get some coffee and talk to the baristas they're all great (laughs) yeah (laughs) i would say most of the baristas there have gone through some sort of deconstruction (laughs) like this uh, but I like your good your plug there at the end for uh, <laughs> your company. <laughs> Anything else? I didn't even think about plugs. Anything you want to plug? Uh, Don't you have a, a brewery opening? Is that going to open this year? That's a plan, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we're doing a micro brewery slash brew pub here in downtown Pottsville. It's going to be off the hook what's it what's it called uh black rock brewery i like that find us on facebook instagram whatever yeah i'll probably link that below wherever below is we'll figure it out so Um, that's the current project i'm not really anywhere online consistently ever yeah and that's i mean it's not like i don't it's yeah again you're not like the kind of guy that's like this is my online presence right i think you mostly just post silly pictures of your son pretty much uh if you want to listen to my music just go find some recordings of Bach or whatever. <laughs> just, <laughs> just picture me playing piano. I don't know. Whatever. Just pull up a picture. Maybe I'll put a picture of Jay playing the piano somewhere. <laughs> and then you just put on Bach in the back. That's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. That's so funny. Cause I guess that's true. Cause you're supposed to play it. Well, okay. So this is bonus content. All right. Here we go. After dark. <laughs> yeah. After <laughs> music questions. Can you tell, like, if if it was somebody playing Beethoven's Sympathy, whatever mm-hmm. Sympathy, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Symphony? Do you could you tell who the con- composer was based on how they perform it? Uh, well, if we're listening to Beethoven's Symphony, are, so are you? So, like, let's let's not let's say. Do people perf- like I get, okay. do people perform the same piece in different ways? Yes, yes, absolutely. So there's generally, especially the further back you go, it becomes a little bit more rigid. What the generally accepted, like traditional interpretation of a piece is, because um, there's probably not recordings, right? Right. So that's is that where like the initial like confusion and in interpretation comes sure. from? There's also like. I mean, there's different evidence that we have of, like, how, um, from different writings or, like, um, markings on the original scores that weren't necessarily, like, technical musical markings, but, like, the composer wanted it, you know, so, um, there's always... So, it's, like, interpreting this crazy language that, like, it's, Uh like, trying to interpret old English. Yeah. Like, it's, like, yeah, I, I get this, but there's some things there that, like, haven't later were changed and quantified as a different thing. Yeah. And they're also like, so there are like different musical markings that 
mean different things in different eras. And the reason we know that is because, like, you can look at the teaching materials of the certain day where, like, they where like this sign the teacher actually writes out the notes of what that actually is for their student or whatever and you can see like oh this is how this was played back then hmm. and you can look at the same sign that's played today and it's played differently wow um but like there's always there's always room for classical music would be dead if there wasn't room for reinterpretation so um there's always at least someone who's just kind of like reinventing the wheel reinventing the wheel i mean a big one was uh wendy carlos back in oh yeah in the 70s and 80s of like synthesizers were this new thing mm. and she comes out with this album that is Bach pieces played on synthesizers How's and that? it was like it was like mind-blowing i mean it's it, does that it, still stand up i feel like it will it does to a certain extent it definitely yeah. sounds like 80s synthesizers, synthesizers yeah yeah, but um, 80 synthesizers. I mean, it was probably like, earlier than that. Actually, it was probably in the 70s or something. I'm, I'm, sh- I th- I was, I'm about to tell you something that I'm almost certain you told me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird form of the telephone game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that is it, or maybe it was Sam. It's the idea that synthesizers sound different because the tubes that they were played through aren't made in amps today, so that. The like the original synthesizer sound can't be truly mimicked because the product is made differently. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, there's there's the big divide between uh, analog synthesizers, which use like tubes and stuff like that, and digital synthesizers or solid state, um, and uh, they definitely do have a different sound, and often the analog ones like just have this powerful fat sound i mean there's no Hmm. other way to put it but yeah it's it is interesting that like you can you can plug a synthesizer from from 1975 or whatever into an amplifier from the 1960s or you can plug it into one that was made yesterday and it'll sound completely different wow that's insane. Maybe not like completely, completely different, but it'll have a different. Well, state. right. Like for anyone with an actual trained ear, they'll be able to recognize it. Sure. I mean, I remember. I mean, Sam Young is a talented musician that we we know, and I remember he would just always talk to me about the difference between like materials and whatnot, and yeah. we were just like, it just I'm like I can't hear it. I don't. I don't. I don't even know what to look for. Yeah. You know, it's a language I just do not speak. Yeah, I mean, um, I've done a decent amount of studying like uh, period keyboard instruments, which is like, you know, what was the piano before it was a piano, mm-hmm. and it's like they use different things mm-hmm. for the strings, mm-hmm. and like the strings are hit by hammers, but like they didn't used to be covered with felt they used to right. be covered with like leather or some other sort of skin or something like that mm-hmm. or the harpsichord where it's literally like a little hook that plucks the string right and it's just like so many different things that go into like what makes the instrument sound different and That's like amazing the i mean in like 1840 the piano looked a lot like it does today but Back then, they weren't using nearly as robust of like a frame. Mm-hmm. And pianos today have like forty thousand pounds of pressure mm-hmm. with all the strings that are put onto the 
I think usually cast iron frame mm -hmm. and they're using literally multiple strings for certain notes so that when you hit this note, it's this higher note. It's not way quieter than this lower note with right. the bigger string. Right. Um, it's just crazy how the crazy, how the sound changes. Wow. Yeah. All right. So your wife just popped her head through the glass window at exactly <laughs> an hour and a half. I haven't told her how long we'd be. So let's uh, wrap this up. I'd love to have you back for to talk about music and just kind of some of the conversations we've yeah. had about that. And That'd be sweet. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, just come back. I haven't, I haven't thought about how to wrap <laughs> this thing up. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Jay. Check him out. I'll have his social media and whatnot. Uh, check below. We're literally at the coffee shop every day. So yeah. if you want to see either of us talk to anything, um, yeah, just come by. Thanks again so much to yeah. you and to everyone watching. Thank you. Uh, God bless and good night.